0: ologist Oliver Sacks, writes in one of his books or in a book called An Anthropologist on Mars. And he's telling a story about a man named Virgil who had been blind from the time he was just a, a child, a little child. But when he was 50 years old, Virgil underwent a surgery and was given the gift of sight. An interesting thing happened after that. He and the doctor found out that having the physical capacity for sight is not the same as seeing. Virgil's first experience with sight was confusing He was able to make out colors and movements, but then he was struggling trying to arrange them into a coherent picture, and it was difficult for him. Over time, he learned to identify various objects, but his habits and his behaviors were still those of a blind man. And the doctor later on asserted, quote, One must die as a blind person to be born again as a seeing person. And he said, it is the interim, the limbo that is so terrible. I've been told that anything that a person never had, they don't miss. I thought about that. A person who is deaf, and has always been deaf, wouldn't miss hearing. A person who was born blind wouldn't miss seeing. A person who was born into abject poverty wouldn't miss living in a mansion. But I'll bet you... If you asked any of those individuals which they'd prefer to try. Am I right? I've met a lot of blind people, deaf people, lame people. And all of them that I have met. Seem to had adapted to that. Handicap and they became adept in many other ways to compensate for the lack of whatever they had. Does that make sense? If they were blind, they had keen senses other ways. And individuals with these type of handicaps who have gone on to do amazing things. More so sometimes than people who had all of what we would call the the normal faculties. But I've never met any of them if you would have told them it were possible for them to be seeing or hearing or walking that wouldn't have taken you up on that. The story today is about a man who was blind, but he didn't want to be. And he's been making it all these years, but he's not been making it the way he desired to. And if there was a chance... That his life could change, he wanted to take that chance. His story is found in Mark chapter 10. His name is Bartimaeus. Verse 46 tells the story. Jesus and his disciples went to Jericho, and as they were leaving, they were followed by a large crowd. There was a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus, who was the son of Timaeus, who was sitting beside the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus from Nazareth, he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many people told the man to stop, but he shouted even louder, son of David, have pity on me. And Jesus stopped, and he said, call him over. And they called out to the blind man and said, don't be afraid, come on, he's calling for you. And the man threw off his coat, and he jumped, and he ran to Jesus. And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man answered, Master, I want to see. And Jesus told him, you may go. Your eyes are healed because of your faith. And right away the man could see, and he went down the road with Jesus. That's an inspiring story, isn't it? I love stories that have these kinds of endings. That make you feel good about things. With just a few words from Jesus, this man's life was completely changed. He went from being a blind beggar at the side of the road to being healed, saved, and given purpose. He wasn't going anywhere, but now he's going down the road with Jesus. And I noticed something this week. Perhaps for the first time. And I've read this lots and lots of times. But I've skipped over something that I think is vitally important in this story. A blind man ran to Jesus. Six words. Profound. Why? This guy's been blind perhaps all of his life, or at least since he was little. Maybe he's never ran before. A lot of things are happening right there in this one sentence. A blind man ran. I've never seen that. Can't see where he's going. He's probably never done this before. But blind faith. Forced this man to do things he'd never done before or even thought about doing. I want to talk for a few minutes about blind faith. I meditated on that concept This week, After all, it's what saved every one of us who have come to know Jesus on a personal level. We came to know him the way that man came to know him. We were blind. We were lost. We were helpless. We were begging. We were overlooked. We were going nowhere until we heard about a man who could literally change our life. And at some moment, we called out to him. He in turn called back to us and he said, What do you want me to do for you? And we said we want to be able to see. And those of us that have made that decision have gone from being desperately blind. Overlooked. and Abused. To suddenly being given life, new life with sight and purpose. And a reason to get up. And exert that breath that is in our lungs. That was the most important day of your life. The day you came to Jesus and gave him complete surrender of your heart and soul was more important than your birthday. It was more important than your wedding day. Because that decision had eternal ramifications. That was the day you decided to live eternally instead of die eternally. It's a pretty big day. Blind faith made you make that decision. You weren't sure exactly what that was going to look like. Or what that was going to entail. But Jesus was there ready to accept you And with blind faith and reckless abandon, we jumped up and we ran to Jesus. Can we remember that together for a few minutes today? I want to just stop everything. I want to just slow it all down. Just take a big deep breath. And relax. The Holy Spirit's here today. His presence is powerful. In fact, when you sat down... It was just a sense of him settling down with you. And all over this room, the Holy Spirit Spirit just sat down. Because I think he sensed that he was going to be worshipped here. He didn't want to leave. So you're sitting next to the creator of the universe right now. Just relax in that for a minute and go back to the day That with blind faith you became a part of his family. Think about that for just a minute. Remember your most important birthday. That was the day that you came to Jesus. I want to point out a couple of things to you from this passage of scripture. About blind faith. I would call them common denominators. I want you to get your pen, flip over the bulletin, write this down, or else write it beside the text in your Bible there in those columns, those empty columns. Write down blind faith, write down this day. And I'm going to tell you over the next few minutes a couple of things that blind faith will cause a person to do. First of all, in this story, blind faith caused this man To be desperately unashamed. If you would have been there that day, you would have understood what I'm talking about. The only reason I can that I understand the way I do, even though I cannot fully, for I was not there, but, but reading and studying the way I have and looking at the words in their original and studying out what those words mean, I have come to find out that what this man was doing was making a nuisance of himself. The words there literally mean shrieking and screaming. He has heard that Jesus is coming that way. How close to him he doesn't know why because he can't see. He can't jump up and run up with the crowd and get up close to where he might get where he can see him because he can't see. But he has heard that Jesus is going to be coming this way today. And hearing the tumult of this crowd as it is clamoring and moving together, he senses that Jesus must be getting somewhere in the neighborhood, and so he does the only thing he knows to do. He starts shrieking and screaming. Son of David. Have mercy on me. I'm as enthusiastic as the next guy when we, get to an, when we get to some kind of an event that's a lot of fun. I don't make a lot of noise. I'm just not that emotional. Some people are a lot more emotional than others. You slam your hand in the car door. What do you do? Some of you scream and some of you cry. I'm one of those guys that I get mad and I shake my hand and I grip my teeth. And where I spit, the grass dies. (laughs) You won't see me doing a lot of bringing attention to myself. I just as soon... Truthfully, guys, I would just as soon be in the corner. I'm one of those people that if I had not been called and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't be up here because this is probably not a natural thing for me. I don't like crowds. The only thing I hate worse about a crowd is being in a crowd. This is what about a crowd I can tolerate being in front of it, not in it. I'm an introvert. That means when I go to rest I like for it to be quiet and I don't want to see another human being. Extroverts like to be around lots of people to rest. Introverts just want to get off in a dark hole like a brown recluse. And that's why brown recluses do what they do cuz they intended to be alone. They was in the darkest spot they could get. They had gotten as far from you as they could. I don't think I would have enjoyed standing or sitting next to this man that day. Like, come on, dude, really? I mean, seriously, I mean, you're right in my ear here, guy. He's shrieking, screaming. He is desperately unashamed. Unashamed. He's making a total nuisance out of himself. He's gaining all the attention of all the people in the place. He doesn't want their attention. He doesn't need their attention. He doesn't need for them to hear him. He's just got to make sure Jesus does. And the desperate lack of shame causes him to step outside of who he probably would normally be. He's probably been that poor fellow that sat on the side that didn't, desperately didn't want to bring attention to himself. Like so many of us, we would prefer to sit quietly and just let things pass us. We don't feel important enough or brave enough to stop a important person when they pass by. We just simply watch and admire and take pictures from a distance. But not this man. He can't see whether or not it's working, but he's calling out anyway. He can't let this moment get away from him. He needs something, and the only one that can do it for him is Jesus. So in spite of all of the ridicule and condemnation and the attempts of people to just try to ignore him, he keeps on louder and louder and louder until Jesus stops and addresses him. I've been desperately unashamed before in my life. Have any of you? Times when you so badly needed Jesus that you had to step out of your comfort zone. You had to step out of what was comfortable for your own personality. You had to forget about what you normally would do. There's been a few times that I've done some things I would not have normally done in the presence of the king. I'm still desperately unashamed. That's why I stand around in front of you every time the Holy Spirit comes around here and I cry like I'm one of the kids down in the nursery that just fell out of one of the beds. No, that doesn't happen. They're taking good care of your kids. (laughs) To my knowledge, we haven't lost any of those children down there in all these years. We've got like at least a 99 percentile rate. The only kid we ever lost was one that we did on purpose. Just kidding. Some of you know that was your kid. Desperate and unashamed. And I think that God wants us to stay that way. Hmm. He tells us we can't be ashamed of him or else he will be ashamed of us. And he tells us to rely on him for our every care and our every need. And so the longer that we serve him and the more that we need him, the more we realize he is the source of everything for us. The breath in our lungs. I find myself telling him that over and over these days. God, you're my source for everything. I don't, I I know the devil likes to attack us and he will at every juncture. But I think the reason God lets him is not so that it will destroy us. It's so that it will cause us to continue to be desperate. And so when the enemy attacks you financially, or he attacks you physically, or mentally, or spiritually, or emotionally, or where any place that he can find a place to hit you hard, and the father lets it, and you find yourself on your knees saying, God, why'd you let that happen? God said, look what it did. You are desperately unashamed. Unashamed. It's causing you to rely on him. Some of what is happening in your life is God's way of keeping you in a desperate and an unashamed place. There are people in this room right now that are desperate. If you're desperate for something from God, raise your hand. People in this room that, that, that need healing in their life desperately need a healing in their body. Desperate in their finances. Desperate in a relationship. Something's going on that you are desperately seeking God. If that's you, raise your hand. And you've bound the devil. That's good. Keep binding him. And you've asked God, God, why'd you let this happen? And look what it's producing. I don't know if I could tell this without crying. I probably can't. My little grandson's 2 years old. You guys know you guys know JB Barrett. He's bub to me. Oh bub. I took bub to the daycare the other day. And when we first got there, Deb was with us, Sophie was with us, and we were taking both of them, him to his daycare and her to her school. And so we got there, and he started crying. And I looked at Deb, and I said, let's just not let us not make him go right now. I mean, we had a full day of stuff we got to do. I said, let's not make him go right. We can bring him back later. And Sophie says, hey. Is he going in there or not? <laughs> no. He's like, I'm not going if he's not going. No, no, baby, he he's going. He's going, but he's not. You he don't. We're gonna take you first. Okay. So we took Sophie to school and got her checked in, and we had to run by here and pick something up. We did a couple of things. Bob thought this was done. I mean, he thought he had this thing whipped. It'd been about an hour, and I headed back over there. And I turned down the road, and I turned in, and I got out. I went to get him out, and I sat him down, and he's pointing at the parking lot across the street, hollering, train, train, train. There was a train over there, but it wasn't. And he's anything you could think of to get my attention off of where we were headed. And I picked him up, and I took him inside. This is a great daycare. He loves it. He has a great time there. They're so good to him. He's got a lot of little buddies there. So I knew that we were it wasn't like we were going to a bad place, and he goes there every day. Walked in, took him all the way back to his class, to his door. And the lady said, hey, JB, how you doing this morning? So glad to see you. little kids are waving and all this kind of stuff. And I went to hand him and he turns his head the other direction and he clings to me. And he looked me in the face and he said, no, poppy. I'm not crying because of that. But I'm crying because of what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, that's what you do. He says, I know where you're going. And I know you're going to be okay. It's a good place I'm letting them take you to. I know the devil's after you, but I can whip him. Where you're going, I'm in control of. I said, no, Bobby. And I try to cling to him and i had to pry that little fellow off of me and hand him to the teacher and listen to him cry as i walked back down the hall and it hit me it's hard for god to let me go through these things with me clinging to him and crying and looking him in the face and saying oh poppy no him saying it's going to be all right. These type situations. Keep us desperate. For God. They make us desperately unashamed. There's a whole lot more of this message. I'm not going to preach it today. I'm just going to pick it back up again next week. But can I give you one just one more aspect of it. Before we pray. Would you stay with me for just about five more minutes. So I can just add one more thing to this. And then next week we'll pick this back up. I got so much more. We got to share. Are You interested in hearing the rest. Will you come back next week? Will you come back next week? I got to show you one more thing about this message. Blind faith. Secondly. Caused this man. Are you Ready? To throw off his outer garment. He'd been laying in the street hanging onto that security blanket for a long time. Because it's all he had. will not have a job. He don't have much. He can't work. He don't live in a time and an age where there's anything like social security or anything for disabled people. The day he lives in, you work or you beg. Those are the two options. If you want to eat, you work or you beg. Can you imagine this 50-year-old man, perhaps? The self-esteem this man has. And how he suffers and he struggles. Because he's been unable to provide. He's been unable to do all the things all the other people did. And so he sat by the side of the road every day. Covered in this outer garment, this coat, this blanket, if you will. It was probably dirty and nasty. Why is he clinging to this? Same reason that you cling to that little doll that you have from when you was a little girl. Same reason that some of you fellas are clinging to that pornography. Or some of you are clinging to those drugs or to that alcohol. Whatever that security blanket is that you cling so tightly to, you hate it. You hate it. Oh, you'd love to give it up, but you're so afraid. Because he's been your friend a long, long time. It's gotten you through a lot of hard times. He's been wrapped up in this all of his life. It shields him from the outside. But that day when Jesus said, tell him, come on to me, and he jumped up to run, he knew instantly he wouldn't need it anymore. He threw it off. Before he ran. From now on, Jesus will be his shield and Jesus will be his place of safety. Hmm. That's why we can turn loose of those things we've held on to. Food and gossip. Whatever it might be. That you used to cling to so tightly. Because now you have Jesus. He's become your rock and your shield. He's your place of refuge. And the temporal things of this world. That Satan has distorted in order to trap and imprison you. Are no longer effective. Jesus has broken all of the chains of this world. And set you free. That's why so many of you have already and so many of you today are going to throw off that outer coat and get wrapped up in the robe of righteousness. What is your security blanket? What is that chain in your life? That needs to be broken. What is that? That thing you love. But you hate. Am I right? If you have a security blanket. You know what I'm talking about. You love it. But you hate it. You detest it. If only there was something else. There is. There is. Jesus has a robe. That he will replace Your old dirty blanket with. Don't you feel that? You feel that anointing? Huh? Anybody in there else feel that? I'm going to ask Neil if he'll come back. Oh, there's more, but I got to stop. Let's stop right here. Let's deal with these two things before we get to next week. Next week are the results. There's still some more, but there's results next week about what happens. Before we get to where we're going, let's deal with where we are. Oh, next week we're going to shout. Next week we're going to have a time. Today we're going to cry. Today we're going to get free. Mm. Wow. Every person in this room. Who would say, I'm desperate. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm desperate. I'm I'm in a desperate situation. And I am desperately unashamed. I'm coming to Jesus today. I want you to stand. And now along with those individuals. I hope you don't have too much pride for this. All of those of you that would say. I got to throw off this robe. I want you to stand. I have got to throw off this robe. I got to get free from this chain. I got to get loose. And if there is a person in this room who doesn't know Jesus, but you sense how much he loves you and how he wants to change your life, I want you to stand with ease. You've never accepted Christ, but today is your day. Stand to your feet. Maybe you have accepted him, but you turned your back on the Lord. You've been, in a, you've been in a bad place where you've been hadn't been good. But the Holy Spirit continues to convict you, and you love him. He's drawing you back to himself, and today you're ready to surrender again and give your heart to Christ. I want you to stand. Who are you I would stand with these? I'm going to make a fresh dedication and a commitment to the Lord. I want all of you desperate folk, along with all of you folks who are ready to throw off the outer garment, to become the first group that we will name the Blind Faith Runners. And I want you to get down to this altar, come down here. Blind faith runners Desperately unashamed Come down to this place And when you get here Whether you're kneeling or standing I don't care But when you get here Get both of your hands up in the air This is surrender time Nothing magical or mystical About sticking your arms up in the air It's not so much a spiritual thing It's an act of surrender. It's what a person does when they they know they've been beaten and they have to unconditionally surrender their arms. We surrender our arms by sticking them up straight in the air. And we're laying down everything. Oh, I'm asking you right now. Do you mean it? Do you mean it? Some of you have done this before. Pastor, how do I know if it's going to stick? I know what God does. He does right. I am believing right now. I am believing. In fact, Deb knows that I was going to preach this whole message today. And in my office this morning, the Lord slowed me down and told me. That we weren't going to make it. That this is where we were going to get to. Because we needed to stop right here. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work. You're here today because He has drawn you. Specifically, you are here because God has something for you. He wants to set you free. Neil's going to lead us and I'm going to walk around lay hands on you folks and pray for you. Any of the rest of you that want to, you're welcome to come stand behind these folks. Stand behind them if you want. We're going to turn this into a house of prayer and I, I believe in my heart that the Holy Spirit is about to unleash Himself in this room. He has a word for some of these folks. that's going to be spoken. Some for them, some for them it's just gonna be a still small voice, others is gonna be confirmed by a, a word that God is gonna give them. But some of you are about to be set free. I'm telling you, if you really wanna to be today, if you really wanna be, God is not just going to work the combination lock, He's gonna break the chain. If you really wanna be. And all the rest of you, I don't want you just sitting around watching. I want you praying. I want you to extend your hand this way or get up and join us. Worship God. Turn this place into the same atmosphere we had in here about 30 minutes ago. And let's watch God do an amazing, amazing thing in this house. People are be about to be set free from addictions. People are about to be set free from, 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 from depression. And desperate people are about to be filled With the righteousness they so desperately seek. What do you need from God today? If you haven't made your way down here yet and you wish you had, have come on. What do you need from God today? What are you desperate for today? I want you to join us. Neil, lead us. Let's pray.